Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to talk about when we met or encountered a celebrity. Now, this could be from afar, this could actually be an interaction where you talk to the person, um, and when I say celebrity, we're, it's not going to just be movies this week. It could be uh, an entertainer that is involved in music, it could be an actor, could be an athlete, it could be someone that is simply famous for being famous. Whatever it may be, we want those stories. Malin specifically requested this week's episode, and since he's such a loyal guest on the show, I had to had to do it. So that's what we're going to do this week. Now, I believe just because I've done a few ep- a few interviews already before I'm, I recorded this segment, uh, this is probably going to be a two part. Um, episode. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to give away all of my uh, celebrity encounters. I'll just give you one to whet your appetite for this week. I'll give you more next week. Um, but yeah, I think this otherwise this is probably going to be a two and a half, three hour uh, episode. So I'd rather split it up, maybe do an hour piece. And that's what we're going to do with part one today. All right. my This was from afar, but this was kind of fun. This was I was in high school. Now, my high school was uh, called Carmont High School, and that was in Belmont, California. And I grew up in the, God, well, I graduated in 96. So, right around that time, a movie called Dangerous Minds was being made. And Dangerous Minds is based on a book written by a teacher that taught at Carmont called My Posse Don't Do Homework. Uh, I God, what was her name? I think her name was Luann Johnson. And... She basically taught the kids that came from poor-income families. Uh, Back in that era, they used to busing kids from different neighborhoods. And so uh, East Palo Alto was one of the roughest neighborhoods uh, back then. And since there was no high school in East Palo Alto, they used to bus um, the kids from East Palo Alto to various schools along the San Francisco Peninsula. And so this movie is about her um, attempts to to reach uh, those kids and and those at, at high risk of not graduating. And so, uh, for this book was turned into um, the movie, and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer actually played the role of Luann Johnson. And so I believe it was my sophomore, junior high school. Michelle Pfeiffer actually came to my high school, and the buzz scattered around. Now, this is pre-cell phone, so this is all word of mouth. And so when I first heard about it, I'm like, yeah, she's really here. She's not going to come to our high school. But, in fact, she did. And I remember cutting class. Sorry, Mom and Dad. Uh, well, actually, my mom worked at school at, that, at my high school, so I'm sure she knew anyway. Um, and I peeked into the classroom that she was... <laughs> Uh, observing and I actually got to see her from afar and I think she noticed us and kind of turned and did kind of a a cute wave and everything and we all had to go back to class but um, yeah it caused quite a stir now though I didn't actually interact with her because it was just there was too many kids around her and uh, they didn't want to have to bother her the one the greatest story I remember from this incident was a kid that I knew actually got to have her sign something. And so he didn't have any paper, which to me made no sense because we were at school. I would have thought he would have had some binder paper. 
Guess not. Uh, and so all he had on him was a $5 bill. Okay, so he had her sign the $5 bill. Then soon realized he had no money for lunch. And so what did the idiot do instead of borrowing money or asking somebody for money? He spent the $5 with Michelle Pfeiffer's signature on it. What a moron. Anyway, also at my high school uh, at the time, President Bill Clinton came and visited. And of course, I didn't get to meet him there, but I was in the auditorium when he was there. And it was the first time I actually had to go through some extensive Secret Service um, frisking, so to speak, because they wanted to make sure that the president was safe. And uh, I do remember him holding up traffic in this tiny neighborhood for a very long time. So those were my brief celebrity encounters. Not too great, but I have better ones for next week. They're mostly musicians, and those were kind of fun. All right, so again, this is going to be a two-part episode. Let's hear what everyone else has to say in this week's episode. All right, so for this week's episode, this was specifically requested by Malin. So this is why we're, we bumped this up in the queue, and I'm totally happy to do it, because I think this is going to be a fun episode, I think. Yeah. I hope so. I don't know that I have necessarily like the best stories, but... For other reasons, I thought, yeah, I want to get this one. No, absolutely. And, the, uh, and you had been, I think you had originally come up with this idea months ago. And then uh, we were just looking for the right time to do it. Now is the right time. So I think this will be a fun episode. Cool. Well, uh, the, so we were just talking about sightings versus encounters. Right. So I used to live in Southern California for graduate school. And I was subscribing to a bunch of theaters down there. And so I looked up like a lot of sightings, but I don't know that those are necessarily all that interesting. I saw some cool people mm-hmm. like around, um, but I do have a couple of encounters okay. that I've, that kind of make me laugh. Uh, one of them I've already told you about, though. The Quentin Tarantino? The Quentin Tarantino yeah, one. Yeah, it's a great story. So I don't know if I should go over that one again. Maybe we should just use that as an opportunity to like promote a previous episode and just yeah. say somewhere in a previous episode, as an Easter egg, yeah. there's... Uh, what I think is an amusing story about Quentin Tarantino. Do you remember what episode that was? No, I have no idea. Yeah, Otherwise, four of them now. I know. So. Otherwise, I would make it easier by actually saying which episode it was. It was in a movie theater. Oh, I think it was what the episode where it was uh, craziest things you've seen in a theater. Oh yes, yes, you're right. Yes. that might be it. That was so. That was also a combo. That was the food episode. So oh, was, maybe yeah. yeah so yeah. what do you like to eat at a movie theater? Yeah. Or when you're watching a movie. So. Yeah, so look for that one. Yeah. You've got to like, go back and listen uh, to other episodes. Should I say anything about that? No, he's just a freak in a movie theater at his own movie. Right. Well, Creepy. from what I recall, like you were telling me that it was he was laughing hysterically at his own, at yeah, his own at, movie. At the beginning of Kill Bill Volume 2, yeah. where everyone was just kind of stone-faced trying yeah. to figure out why it wasn't as bloody and fast-paced as... Uh, volume one. And anyway, right. it was super awkward, and I think it was deliberate. And, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. So that just made it creepy. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You always have a story to tell. Yeah. So, so except now. So look back <laughs> at that one. Um, oh, I wanted to mention one. Uh, so my favorite directors are Peter Greenaway and David Lynch, and I did have uh, a chance run in with David Lynch once. Never oh, really? Peter Greenaway, but David Lynch once. He uh-huh. was on tour giving talks about transcendental meditation, um, and he stopped at UC Berkeley, and I co-chair a lecture series at UC Berkeley, so I take advantage of what you know the events that are going on. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I did go to the lecture, and I was so obsessed uh, that I did hang around afterwards um, just to see. He'd really thrown me for a loop. I didn't know anything about 
even though he was my favorite director right. at the time, I didn't know anything about transcendental meditation. Sure. Or that I was going to listen to a talk that was promoting transcendental meditation, and as a sideline, some comments about how it has benefited his creative output. Right. Um, so one thing that really struck me in his discussion, he talked a lot about world peace and creating a, a unified kind of um, mental awareness. And I can't, I can't speak eloquently about this, but um, using transcendental, transcendental meditation in order to bring the world closer to peace. Mm -hmm. um, and he spoke a lot about beauty. Um, and what struck me was that of all directors, he strikes me as one that uh, really aestheticizes violence in his films right. quite a bit. Not just depicts them, but I felt at that time frequently aestheticizes them. And so I hung around afterwards and had a chance to ask him about it. Um, and I, I'm not even sure to this day if I'm completely satisfied with his answer, but I asked him given the discrepancy between talking about um, meditation and mindfulness um, as a path towards inner beauty, outward beauty, and peace, um, where does that fall in like creative output that has a lot of like violence, uh, physical, psychological, and emotional, and is sometimes um, seem to me... Uh, like yeah. Very disturbing. <laughs> yeah, disturbing, yeah. but in a really deliberately like artistic yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so I asked him about that discrepancy, and he said that, and I can't, uh, I can't possibly quote him verbatim, but the point of his comment was that it, he took seriously uh, violence as a reflection of the real world and posits that deliberately in his art as opposed to um, other states. And, and, you know, as I thought about it later, and I guess now, I can see how really kind of positive outcomes come out of... Uh, are characteristic of uh, characteristic of the end of a lot of his films. So you have these movies where these characters go through absolute hell. They're just a lot of times torn apart physically and emotionally, and then suddenly you have this happy ending that sometimes seems to come out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So I really need to kind of process this a lot more. But all in all, that was an encounter that I was glad that I had. Yeah. I had to like ask him something. Now the reason that that was also important to me is that I get really fan geeked out when I meet a celebrity, not just cite them, like I do a little bit when I like see them out in like public, but worse when I encounter them. Mm -hmm. And even worse, like if they're not all that well known for some reason, I don't know, like Peaches Christ, like I still <laughs> to this day, I, I even volunteer for her and I still go all blah, 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 <laughs> you know, when I talk to her, John Waters, who oh, yeah. encountered a couple of times at her shows and even Mink Stoll, who's a sweetheart, um, which you wouldn't think, looking from the movies, because she's so foul-mouthed at his How movies. is John Waters? Not to, not to gloss over that one. Well, I don't know him well. I've just like bumped into him okay. at a bunch of things. But I have developed uh, a really sincere devotion to his wit. Yeah. He is just so sharp and quick-tongued. Um, I actually like listening to him as a person better than I like watching some of his movies. Mm. And I know I've... I've described his movies as kind of traumatic experiences for me in the past. I did eventually develop uh, a, a sense of fandom yeah. for him, absolutely, and respect for him as a filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, and the... Yeah, well, anyway. No, but that's um, a good point. Uh, not to go off on a tangent, so I'm going to kind of correlate this. 
So it's interesting. So Joe Buck, who was a baseball announcer who was often vilified for his his announcing skills and he's too much of a homer and he, he's just kind of obnoxious and everything. I really enjoy listening to interviews when he's being interviewed about his craft. Oh, and, sure. and his dad was a famous broadcaster and everything. So that's fascinating. But I can't say I'm listening to him work. So the right. difference is you obviously enjoy John Waters, but it's interesting that you know you almost enjoy listening to him more than sometimes his films. And I almost get the same. Yeah, maybe, you know, it's kind of the unfiltered thinking behind the art, and sometimes the art, uh, I feel, is uneven, but I am I have been since persuaded by listening to the man and getting a better understanding yeah. of where he's coming from, and I, I could listen to him nonstop. Yeah. He's just wicked. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I think Lindley kind of feels the same way about Mark Maron. Like, she enjoys his mm-hmm. podcast, but not necessarily stand-up. Oh, and that's his yeah. main profession. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So cool. What other? Uh, oh yeah, and so the yeah. point of that was, um, so yeah, I go totally bled, 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 yeah. and I'm talking to celebrities. But I realized, fortunately, before I met David Lynch, um, and before I met Tony Kushner, that the way to, for me at least, to approach them wasn't to talk about um, their movies or anything, but to have some interest related interest that I want to ask them about. Right. So for David Lynch, it was about the aesthetics of a certain type of thing. Um, and he gave me an interesting, although challenging answer. With Tony Kushner, I met him twice. And the first time I asked him about gay marriage, I did a devil's advocate question for him about gay marriage because mm-hmm. Prop 22 was mm-hmm. in the ballots. Um, and that turned into a pretty long discussion. Um, so I think that's where I learned that this was kind of the way to do it rather than going up and being like, Oh, I love your work. And then realizing yeah. I have nothing, have else, nothing to say. else to say. Yeah. So I, yeah, I've done my research a little bit. And the second time was about Mike Daisy, who was this guy who did a, um, a play about Steve jobs that became controversial because he posited some things that weren't factual based, right. but he posited them in a theatrical setting as fact. Mm. And it, he got called out. And so I asked Tony Kushner about, that and that was fun yeah um so yeah, I often finally, some, some people don't want to talk about themselves they'd rather talk about like certain right. musicians would rather talk about other bands and their own yeah and then band. and i found i i would run out of really quickly i'd run out of things to ask for i never really had anything to ask uh in the first place and then you run the risk of heaven forbid asking an actor the 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 infamous last case or worst case scenario question yeah which is, how do you remember all those words? Which no actor wants to hear. No, no. You know, but you don't want to have like something like that to say. Yeah, so. some cliche question. Yeah, so I found, yeah, do my research. Okay, so I do have um, a couple other sure. stories that are a little bit, I hope, more interesting. Um, so Elvira. No way. Yeah, okay. so Elvira is Cassandra Peterson yes. in real life. And I had the really great opportunity to work as an extra in a film that she was one of the leads in. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie's called All About Evil. It was written and directed by Peaches Christ, okay. who is Joshua Grinnellan. Mink Stoll was in it, and uh, gosh, a lot of uh, a lot of cult performers. Natasha Lyonne was mm. the lead in it. Um, and I got to spend a week or so on set and anyway, I was going to be a bunch of different things and a bunch of different scenes. One of the things that I was going to be um, was a mass murder victim, which was <laughs> right, at a movie cool. theater. Yeah, yeah uh, it was pretty yeah. cool. So poisoned by Kool-Aid. Oh, nice. <laughs> so it gets better. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I was sitting right behind her, and she was playing the mother to Thomas Decker, who's this mm. 
he, he doesn't have a big name for himself, but he was in the Elm Street remake and okay. some other things. And anyway, so I had done my dissertation on Las Vegas, uh, architectural history, and I found out that she was from Las Vegas. Um, and she, so I asked her about her past and her remembrances of Las Vegas during, in between scenes. And um, Yeah, because she was a showgirl, I think, with Tom Jones yeah, and things like yeah, yeah. yeah. And so my, my dissertation was about, um, uh, literally about this life in Las Vegas on the other side of the track mm-hmm. during the 50s and 60s. So I was just curious what her experience was. And I had lived in Las Vegas to do my research, and I was like comparing notes and just, sure. you know, it's a lot of long silences in between takes. And um, we got really, really chatty. Uh-huh. And so this is what I didn't anticipate. So um, she gets called off to do another scene, and we're still kind of chatting at the end of it, and she's walking away, still talking to me. Mm-hmm. And she walks, and she's walking, walking, still talking to me from a distance. She's a total sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And um, and that kind of ended. And then the next day, we come in to shoot a, uh, shoot a continuation of that scene. So we're all kind of in the same place. And we get uh, a scolding. It's <laughs> horrible. We, the, the extras as a pool got a scolding from the, uh, not the stage manager, but I guess the, the second assistant director. Okay. The assistant director. Um, so apparently we're not supposed to talk to the leads oh. <laughs> because it distracts them from their work. Uh-huh. And yeah, so I got verbally bitch slapped for <laughs> getting chatty with Elvira. So you but think, I, I, do you I, think I, she... Put them up to that, or it was just like that's they just no, wanted, I don't they think so because she started getting chatty with me again, okay. like the next day, and I was like, oh, girl, you know, you're gonna get us in trouble. <laughs> so it's probably a small budget film; they didn't want to. It was waste time. They didn't want to yeah. waste any yeah. time. But no, a, but at least you got yeah. the doctor, I mean, that's good. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and she's you know the, the humor that she has is Elvira. Yeah, like I don't. You might think, or at least I used to take for granted that it was like scripted, maybe by someone else, but she has that same kind of humor, mm-hmm. like, outside of Elvira drag. She's right. just really kind of cheesy and sweet yeah. and really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so that was that was cool. Yeah. yeah. That's a great Love one. Elvira. And I, I am proud to say that I, I did not do what most people apparently do to her, which is go to her and say, you were my first sexual fantasy. Oh, God. And, and of course, that was never going to happen. Right. Me, but, you know, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> So that was But no, um, I mean during the mid eighties, up until for a while, I mean, she was the go to vamp you know, vamp from you know, Halloween and, and uh, can't be horror and yeah. all that. I, mean, I think she is popular. a vampire. Yeah. She looks almost the same. <laughs> I the first time I met mm-hmm. her, wow, she doesn't yeah. look that different at mm-hmm. all. That's cool. That's, yeah. that's that that part's kind that's of creepy. Bad magic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um okay, so another one. Maybe this will be the last one I mention. Um, so when I was living in Los Angeles, I mentioned that I used to subscribe to a bunch of theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was the Amundsen Theater. The other, there was the Mark Taper Forum. There was the LA Opera, the LA Symphony. Um, I don't remember if it was the Taper Forum or the Amundsen for a season they were doing. I think it was the Taper. Um, they were redoing their air conditioning. Okay. And so they moved their season to some other theaters. And there was this one theater downtown, and I went to a production. I don't even remember the name of the production. I just remember it was a, a really depes- depressing drama about a guy who was, I think, visiting his mother who was living in a, uh, a, uh, a, a, a really fancy apartment in Paris. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it was a really drab and dark apartment and anyway depressing show from what I remember, which is very, very little, um, except for the architecture. Um, French apartment. Of you course. Know, so of course. <laughs> huge, you know, huge, tall ceilings, big, huge French mm -hmm. doors and glass. A beautiful set. Anyway, um, so there was a, as there is, as there will be after many of these shows, there was a conversation with some of the artists after, so mm -hmm. we'd have this discussion. Um, I was interested enough in the show, even though I don't remember it that well, to stay afterwards. Mm -hmm. Now, this is what I do remember. So when these discussions happen, they wait until the audience who don't want to stick around leave. That's the people who didn't either like, either didn't like the show, didn't understand the show, or just got to get somewhere. Right. So they filter out, and then the rest of the audience just concentrates around center orchestra. Mm. Some people not too close, usually in the center, and then they put some chairs up on the stage and um, and they have their chat. So mm -hmm. I don't really remember all that much about the talk because I don't remember the play, but what I do remember is that George Takei and mm. a gentleman who was accompanying him sat next to me. Okay. Um, and Was his husband Brad? Well, I didn't know who okay. it was at the time, okay. but we're getting there. Okay. So, <laughs> no spoiler, yeah. Well, okay, yeah. I may as well just lead story. story yeah. no, no, so, so I'm sitting there, and I notice that George Takei is sitting two people away from me, and the person that he came with is sitting next to me. Okay. I'm not really thinking anything of it. Um, and we listen to the discussion. It ends. I go out to my car. I'm looking around at the stuff that I brought up. I had this little bag and I'm looking in my binoculars that I used to take to the theater yeah. were gone even though I was always sitting in the orchestra I didn't need them um, they were missing mm -hmm. and so I, I ran back into the theater and I looked and they're not there mm. and nobody turned them into lost and found so I was a little bit upset not terribly but who would steal binoculars exactly yeah. who <laughs> who this is where I'm getting yeah who would steal binoculars yeah. so there's uh, a little bit of a lie to this story that I like to tell, but it's uh, I'm honest about the lie, um, and it may be the truth. <laughs> so I get home. I drive back to Santa Barbara, and my husband is there and some friends, and I go in, and I'm still a little bit like, I'm going to have to go get binoculars before the right. next show. So I walk in, and they ask how the show is, and I was like, it was fine, but George Takei's boyfriend stole my opera glasses. <laughs> So if you ever run into Brad, you're going to have to ask him... Uh, That's right. I'm going to have to ask him for my fucking opera glasses back. <laughs> now, here's here's the other thing. Yeah. This is before George Takei was out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's true. And so no one who no one who was talking to you, know, they were all gamer geeks and sure. total Star Trek fans, because those are the circles I'm in. But I'm not like a terrible Star Trek fan. I watched it as a kid. Sure. I wasn't thinking I was, you know outing him right but I totally outed him to all of my friends uh, they were like no he's not gay I was like isn't he he totally seemed like because it. it's relatively recent I mean it's probably if yeah. you were in the scene you might have known but he really didn't come out until it was like on like maybe 10 years ago with Howard Stern like he became like a yeah. new resurgence when he started appearing on Howard Stern so. and this was in the early 2000s yeah between 2001 and 2004 that this would have happened right because that was like early grad school for mm -hmm. me because um, howard stern used to there was this infamous crank call where they this guy was acting like ricardo montalban and like he's like <laughs> and george is like ricardo how are you and then like, they start going back and forth he's like i don't think this is ricardo montalban and then he hangs up and then it just became they kept playing it over and over again and finally called in howard and howard loved him because yeah. you know, george is great and uh 
Yeah, and the, Howard would ask some typical Howard questions, and more and more came out. And I don't know if he came out on the Howard Stern show, but mm. I, you, everyone loved George. So, and at that point, nobody cared if he was, you know, gay or not. And so, where he right. was forever known as, you know, Sulu, he's now be, had this whole second career, you right. know, later in his right. life, which is pretty cool. So, <laughs> and that great? I told you it's great. Yeah. How could that not be great? That's a uh, kid. He did. He does want the George Takai from uh, Takay from from uh, Star Trek. Oh my god! <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So you want to hear it, don't of you? Of course I do. That was great. Yeah. Okay. So what am I supposed to do? I heard him. I went. Jesus, he played him on other shows. But what can I do? What are you gonna do? Well, we would acknowledge this is uh, something you might have heard. All right, here he is as Ricardo Montalbán calling George Takei. Oh, okay. He pretends to be Ricardo Montalbán from Fantasy Island and also from um, Wrath of Khan. Hello. Hi, George. This is Ricardo Montalbán. Ricardo. Yes. How are you? How are you? <laughs> just great. I was just calling to say hello. Well, it's always delightful to hear from you. Aha. Uh-huh. So uh, what are you doing this evening? Well, believe it or not, tomorrow I'm uh, taking off uh, on a Star Trek cruise. We have Uh Star Trek conventions that now uh, float. Uh (laughs) Aha. Are you going to come out to Fantasy Island? Uh, Well, we're uh, sailing from um, San Pedro, (laughs) and uh, we're going uh, through the Panama Canal. Uh Aha. Yes. What are you up to? I don't. I'm just driving around with uh, talking on my new phone. Oh, (laughs) Well, good for you. Yeah, so I was thinking about hooking, uh, ho- uh, trying to buy some hookers. Oh, my. <laughs> Is that your doggy? That's my dog. Uh, what's your dog's name? She's a papillon. She, uh, her name is Ren. Ren? Be French? Uh, very little. Well, Ren means uh, queen. Aha, uh-huh. I, know, I know Ren and Stimpy. Oh, oh, no, not that Ren. R-E-I-N-E. I see. Ren. Aha. Uh-huh. La Ren, her full name is La Ren Blanche. Aha, that's a pretty. Elena Blanca. That's a pretty name. <laughs> Thank you. Have you uh, now? Uh, have you been watching E when they had the uh, the story about uh, tattoo? No. Oh, uh, that's why I'm calling. I was wondering if you ever seen a a a, a midget naked. <laughs> you know, I don't think you're Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> that's unbelievable oh that's great yeah (laughs) well good for you oh my (laughs) Ricardo Montalban Ricardo I love uh, George Takei man I love when he talks man yeah and all of that kind of I think my awareness I had absolutely no awareness of his um, online presence at that time I don't Mm -hmm. even know if I don't think Twitter was even around yet. Maybe not. So maybe that all developed later. It wasn't like, I was like, oh my God, George Takei. Yeah. It's just like, ah, George Takei. I I just got peeved when I left my (laughs) That's totally my fault. But I really did enjoy, after the fact, um, even in my own little joking way, blaming this guy who's completely probably, uh, had no responsibility in it. And and then outing... um, a Star Trek <laughs> But if you ever ha- if you ever do happen to meet him, you have an opening line. So you know, That's right. Where are my I binoculars? Yeah. You even and where are my binoculars? So yeah. And oh, exactly. Yeah. Let me get those back. Okay. Um, yeah, and actually so I wasn't gonna mention the, these, but there are a couple others. So this begins my own little like informal trend of actors doing bad things to me. Oh, Other yeah. than like encounters uh-huh. or sightings. 
I do have a few instances of actors behaving badly and me taking, um, just for the fun of it, taking um, uh, a grievance towards it. So okay. Angela Lansbury cut me off in the will call line <laughs> at Driving Miss Daisy. Really? Yeah, she did. Yeah. So I can never let her down. Did she idea. know she did or was she just kind of oblivious? I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I don't care. No, so, so like I said... Jessica it, Fletcher was on a case. How could you not... Well, and, she, and yeah. she was Mrs., the original Mrs. Lewis. That's so right. I absolutely yeah. love her. Okay. But, um, and she did it at uh, uh, Waiting for Godot okay. with um, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen. So I was oh, wow. kind of... Awestruck, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was really, really awestruck. <laughs> I, so I like, to, I like to tell these stories like I'm bitter about it, but really I'm... It's pretty awesome. Yeah, I would, yeah, she could kick me to the curb <laughs> just to get my spot and we'll call. I wouldn't care. I'd be like, go for it. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other one. Now, this one I was upset by. Michael Kors uh, went to a Charles Bush play. Mm. And he was there with like a gaggle of, I guess, like, I don't know, fashionistas or okay. something in New York City. He was in Soho at a small theater. I mean, for a Charles Charles Bush drag play. It wasn't a big thing. Okay. Um, and he was wearing jeans and a t-shirt mm-hmm. and he was the great pumpkin he was orange is all you know all get out and he's just chewing gum really really loud and i have this weird hearing condition called misophonia where those types of like static um like chewing gums or mm-hmm. like people chewing just drives me absolutely insane okay like yeah. it's a, it hits a nerve more than oh yeah. it hits a really deep nerve okay. deep nerve um and he's chewing gum at the theater oh my god God, I wish I had a bottle. It was like that type of like rage. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So Michael Kors will never buy any of his whatever his products. No, absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. No. If he can't be bothered to like dress up for the theater <laughs> Why and maybe behave do? well. That's right. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Oh, any other any others not necessarily uh, encounters but sightings. So let's let's run through a quick list of people you you've seen. From afar. Well, in pl- like performing in plays, lots of different people. Okay. Lots and lots of. Well, like on the people. street, like just. Um, but on the street, Natasha Leon. Oh, there's a funny story about Natasha Leon. Can you do it quickly? No, I don't know if I can. Okay. Okay, so I so I mentioned that I was an extra in that movie. Yeah. And she was. Uh, for the movie pr- uh, promotion, they were producing all of these really cool headshot posters of all of the main actors and I was going around getting them all signed Right, and I had managed to get all of them signed except for two Natasha Leone was one I went to New York and was doing a theater safari seeing a lot of shows she was in this night production and I went to the box office uh, and I asked if it would be possible to get her to sign the poster totally legit um, request they told me to go around to the back box off uh, the stage door, sure. which was in this really dark street in the middle of Manhattan, kind of off from Times Square. I was creeped out waiting there. And they said, they basically <laughs> told me what her living pattern was. It's totally creepy. They shouldn't so, be doing that. Either. No, 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 no. Anyway, as predicted, she starts coming from the subway at uh, whatever time they said that she thought they, th- uh, they, they thought that she would show up. Right. And she did. So me, I'm standing there. I get awestruck as she's coming, and I realize I don't know how to approach a, per, a performer who's got, like, their night's performance on the mind. They probably don't want to get mugged. It's a woman walking alone in Manhattan sure. who's well-known and probably sensitive to this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, oh, I totally blew it. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> I totally scared her. Um, I don't remember what I said, but I really came off as a panhandler and not a fan. <laughs> And she got into that stage door so quickly. Yeah. Now, where it gets 
funnier, and I don't know if I told you this part, was that I did, after she escaped from me, mm-hmm. um, uh, I did meet another fan who came by a little bit later, also sent by the box office to terrorize a performer. <laughs> and so she and I got talking. It's like 30 degrees outside. It was yeah. winter. And we're freezing, and we're talking and comparing notes, and she wanted to meet Ethan Hawke and um, Natasha Lyonne, and I had this poster, and she was going to be there for another week, and she was going to go back um, during a matinee to do it right. Right. And she offered to take my poster back with her. So I thought that was sweet. That was really and nice. I gave it to her, because yeah. I could get another poster. Sure. So I gave her the poster. She did go back the next day. <laughs> Um, or actually the next Sunday, went to a matinee. She got Natasha Lyonne aside. What she didn't expect, what none of us could have expected, was a lot of the other performers from All About Evil had selected that performance to go and see her in that play. Yes. So I got a photo from this woman who got my poster signed in New York, took it home with her to Japan, sent me the picture of my poster with Natasha Lyonne and the performance from All About Evil, and then sent me the poster back from Japan, and then now I have that framed that's on my awesome. wall. Now that's awesome. So <laughs> if you hadn't scared her in the first place, none of this would ever happen. That's you right. You just had a normal signature, and that was it. My poster is better traveled than I, because I've never been to Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So but you always have a story cool. to tell. So and yeah, you yeah. told it right here, and I appreciate it as always. Yeah. Oh, and so you were mentioning exciting. So Jamie Lee Curtis. You, you yeah. saw her from afar. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. That was at a Tony Kushner play in Los Angeles. And huh. I just kind of tried not to stare at her during the intermission. Uh-huh. But I totally just probably... Well, of course. Sc- Who would? Kind of, oh, yeah. yeah. And that was not... That was not Christopher Guest was not there with her. Oh. Um, yeah, she was out swimming it in the theater <laughs> in Los Angeles without her husband. All right, I just found out that Enrique just had a celebrity sighting, but we won't go into that yeah, first. Yeah, that'll be later. Yeah, <laughs> but that's funny because we were just randomly talking about the Gilroy Garrick Festival and yeah. all that fun stuff. But Celebrities at the festival. I know, who knew? <laughs> all right, so this week we want to talk about celebrity encounters. They don't have to be actors. They can be, yeah. they can be musicians. It could be athletes. It could be just cool. celebrity cooks. Things like cool. that. Yeah. <laughs> so just go through your your what you can remember, people yeah. you've run into, and what yeah. was your experience like. So I have a really short list. I haven't been alive for very long. <laughs> <laughs> it's quality over yeah. quantity. So, but yeah. I did yeah. grow up in kind of in Woodstock, which is it's two hours north of New York City, mm-hmm. and it was kind of an artist and filmmaker and actor destination, like a getaway destination for a lot of actors in the city. So like. Brad and Ann, and um, Jen, when they were married, had a house up there. Mm-hmm. A lot of celebrities have houses up there. So they're, like, sighted around there once in a while. So when I grew up, I there was, like, a few token celebrities that lived in the town that we would see occasionally. Okay. One was Uma Thurman. She was, like, the big one. Mm-hmm. And she's tall, too. She's so. very yeah. tall, and she has the most monstrous hands I've ever Really? Like, huge hands. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. But she's... Very interesting because my fiance worked in a uh, like a very elite exclusive grocery store in Woodstock that served like all these really organic produce and stuff. And he worked there, and she would come in regularly, mm-hmm. but she would come in at the very very end of the day. Mm-hmm. And when we started dating, I would also go at the very end of the, his shifts because then he would get off and we'd go hang out and stuff. Sure, but it would be so funny because it'd be like me, Akira, and like. 
Uma Thurman <laughs> and like her boyfriend because mm-hmm. she would come at the end of the day so that she wouldn't be like sighted and stuff. Right. But she would walk around and I believe I saw her right after she had her like third baby or something. Okay. So she was like kind of relaxed. She had no makeup on. Her hair was in a bun. Sure. Like a big loose sweater. She mm-hmm. wasn't even wearing sunglasses. Like just very relaxed and like this is fine. So this is after Ethan Hawke? Yeah, this okay. is post-Ethan Hawke. She used to bring Ethan Hawke, apparently. I wasn't, like, old enough to understand. Mm-hmm. But she's dating some new guy now. Mm. And he would come in with her all the time. Mm. And one day, I wasn't here for this, but Kira tells the story. They were shopping around, and, like, they would always buy, like, thousands of dollars worth of stuff at the end of the day. Like, pretty much right at closing time. Okay. And it would be really inconvenient for the people working there. Sure. But, like, you can understand. Yeah, they don't want to get... Yeah, and he would walk around and be like, what's this? What's this? Can I get this? Can you explain what this is? And there was they were selling blocks of, like, raw tamarind root. Because that's the kind of stuff they would sell okay. at this place. Mm-hmm. And you can use, you know, shave it and, like, use it as a flavoring, tam- tamarind flavoring. But he was like, can I just have it? And my fiance's like, I would definitely not just eat it like it's used to add flavors to things use it very sparingly that block should last you years you know and he was like i'm just gonna eat it so he ate like a big bite of tamarind Uh and was immediately grossed out like he had to spit it out right there and like and apparently was like what are you doing like stop it he told you not to eat it like yelling at him so that was the Uma Thurman. And I, <laughs> bumping into her occasionally, she seemed just, like, very aloof and, like, very serious about not being a big deal. You right. know what I mean? So Are they still together? I think they are, because this was only four or five years ago. Okay. Because we were seniors in college, I think. Or... Is it the fat guy? Yeah, the, the, the uh... French guy, yeah. this guy. Andre yeah. Balls. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they live in New York City. He has multiple residences. But how long have they been together? I don't know. Since 2015. Yeah. Maybe okay. it that wasn't that guy then. Oh. Because okay. it, this was a while ago. This was maybe 2013. Uh-huh. I think he was like a model. He was also French. Ah, okay. I don't this remember. This guy's a CEO of something, so. Yeah, he looked similar to that. They I all looked the same. I forgot she was married to Gary Oldman. Hmm. Oh, that would that have been, been nice. That I love awesome. him. Going <laughs> back to character actors, yeah, that yeah. would be awesome. Yeah. Um, let's see other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was um, Robin Williams. He came into oh. town. Mm-hmm. He stayed at the Emerson Resort and Spa, which is about ten minutes from. No, it's less than that. Ten minutes from where I live, but about two minutes from my high school. Okay. So word was out that Robin Williams was staying at the Emerson, and, like, a bunch of us really wanted to go mm-hmm. just, like, hang out there and see if we could catch him, because he was making a movie, a small indie film mm. up north. Um, so we did, and we kind of, like, camped out a little bit. And I know celebrities, like, hate that, but sure. he was the nicest person oh. in the entire world. Like... Mm-hmm so sweet and like excited and cracking jokes and doing funny <laughs> voices and like it was great yeah so rest in peace Robin Williams yeah I wish you got to see him you know yeah like, you have a good memory of him super you know, good yeah. me- he was just so positive and wonderful that's and, like, cool you always hope for that of course when there's a super beloved celebrity yeah. but like and especially after he passed away everybody like always made them comment that he was like one of the nicest people mm-hmm. just so warm and nice right. and loving and yeah. wonderful um, okay, then there was a third one. Okay. 
So I used to lifeguard at a local lake in the area. In mm-hmm. the summer, it would get really busy. We'd get a lot of people up. And we got a call from a woman who was like, so my name is, and I forget what her name was, but I um, work for Liv Tyler. Mm. And um, she is just really looking forward to maybe exploring the area and wanted to stop by your lake for a little bit. And we were like, uh, what? <laughs> okay. So we all like put on our best. So her assistant basically called. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was like, just wanted you to like, be aware um, and make sure the crowd is controlled and like we don't want her to get too much attention like right. there's a side area where we can you know keep her kind of safe and and we're like oh yeah don't worry we're like nerdy hicks like right. we're not gonna <laughs> geek out over try and yeah. bother her mm-hmm. like we're very you know reserved and we'll just be nervous probably sure. um so we were joking on our radios and calling <laughs> to each other. You know what you should, you know what you should do? Just say Eagles landed when she gets here. Just call and say the Eagles landed. So we're like on our <laughs> walkie talkies and I'm on the chair and I get a call. Uh, office to chair. I'm like, what? What's up? The, the Eagles landed over and out. <laughs> I look back because you could from the chair you could see the cars come in and there was this huge black SUV, uh-huh. super tinted windows and. It kind of pulled up and around, like mm. it said, like no access, and it like pulled up and around. And this gorgeous, like six foot one in this hot pink bikini. Like if you're trying to not be noticed, like why would you wear a right. hot pink bikini? Yeah, come on. Pale, super yeah. super pale, and then like a really big sun hat and big big glasses. Like she looked super extra. Sure, it was hilarious. Like you make this big deal about how you want to be not yeah. a big deal, and then you show. Well, she wore sunglasses, so that was. Yeah, that was but nice. yeah, she's very nice. She just mm-hmm. laid out and sunned herself, and she also had extremely long fingers. Really, I don't know what's with these like tall female celebrities <laughs> and their long fingers. Gorgeous raven hair. She's yeah. amazing looking. Mm-hmm. Like, stunning in person. I don't think people realize how stunning she is. Yeah, and then she didn't even go in the water. She, like, <laughs> came down by the lake and looked, put her toes in. And I don't mm-hmm. think anybody even knew like who she, it yeah. was. Because she had a big hat and big sure. glasses on and just kind of looked like a mom at the beach. I would assume that most people, like, unless you're really looking, like, you wouldn't expect to see a celebrity. So it's yeah. like, whatever, it's just another exactly. person. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think pe- And the glasses were... Pretty substantial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it been fun. Now, if you saw Steven Tower, you would know it was Steven Tower. Yes, exactly. Pretty... I don't think he was around. But no. Liv was, and she mm. just, like, dipped her toes in, <laughs> moved like a little elf, uh-huh. and then she, like, went back up to her towel and, and laid and was away from everybody. So, that was Liv. Nice. Good old eagle. That's fun. <laughs> and then <laughs> I, have my, I have more. Okay, Should I, I keep you talking? Keep going. This is going to be a long series. I want to hear everything. I guess really only two more. Okay, so no, whatever you have. This one was a surprise, okay. and I like those, because the other ones where I kind of knew mm-hmm. um, that celebrity was going to be there. But, so this one, um, I was in the supermarket where we grew up, mm-hmm. Adams Fairacre Farms. It's like a, a cute little supermarket. Okay. Um, lots of organic produce and stuff. And my mom sends me on little errands when we're shopping together, like, oh, go pick out some kale, go do this, go do that. Um, I think we're getting kicked out. Okay. But we're, th- we're going to come gonna back go, to we'll this. We'll be right back. Part be right back, fam. <laughs> this is the first of the <laughs> All right. To okay. the power of da-da-da-da. <laughs> She's back. So you... Where were we? Okay. I was in 
the supermarket. Yes. And my mom had sent me on an errand to go get some kale. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, kale, I can do that. So I was picking out some kale, and I noticed this gentleman next to me in a baseball cap and a really nice leather jacket mm -hmm. and glasses, sunglasses on. I was like, why is that guy wearing sunglasses inside? Right. And I looked at him a little closely, and he looked at me, I think, thinking that I recognized him, but I was mostly just curious about his sunglasses. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and Did you notice his hands? I didn't fingers? notice okay, his hands okay. at all. Um, but he was tall and, like, really built. And okay. I was like, this is interesting that he's wearing his sunglasses yeah. inside. So I don't remember what I said. I, I tried to make some joke about, like, Man, it's really sunny in here, huh? <laughs> like a funny joke sure. or something. And he laughed. I don't remember what I said exactly. And then he and then he was like, yeah, yeah. And I noticed he had a British accent. And then I looked closer and it was fucking Daniel Craig. Whoa. It was James fucking Bond. It was. He likes kale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who doesn't? And I was yeah. like, I noticed. And I think he noticed on my face that mm -hmm. I recognized who it was. Sure. And my face like froze. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is nice kale or something. <laughs> something dorky. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, yeah, and mm. super nice British accent. Yeah. And then I think that the store and the management, like, all knew that he was there. Ah. And, like, there's a vibe that just comes across, like, a place when a celebrity is there. Sure. Like, everybody's like, who's that? Who's that? And yeah. then you can see everybody kind of buzzing. And I got the sense that he got the sense that now everybody yeah. knew he was there. Time to go, yeah. <laughs> so he just moved through the store, like, lightning, yeah. like, picked up a few things and was out the mm -hmm. door in, like, ten minutes. Yeah. Um, and that was Daniel Craig. That's but tough. But he was stunning. Like, yeah. Huge guy. Right. Like, really built. Uh-huh. And nice leather jacket. Nice. Well, see, a nice and leather a baseball jacket. And a baseball <laughs> Weird pairing, but... See, that's the thing. I mean, like, these are all, like, awesome stories, but just... These are routine things that, that you and do. I do, and, yeah. and nobody cares, but for them, it's a big deal. Like, and yeah. I was always just surprised that these celebrities would... Like, Daniel Craig, Uma Thurman, mm -hmm. go grocery shopping on their own. Right. You know but what I mean? there's some things that just you want to be a normal person, I guess. Exactly, yeah. and I think in our area they really do feel that way sure. because it's such a small community, mm -hmm. and like we don't ask questions mm -hmm. or bug them. We don't go stand outside their house. Right. We're not. There's no paparazzi in Woodstock, New York. Right. Like people are generally very respectful. They just get really excited. Sure. So sure. and like nervous. Yeah. So I think that it's a nice place for celebrities to. Be, and they feel comfortable being able to leave their homes and go out yeah. to the grocery store because right. they know all that's going to happen is some mm -hmm. like nerdy girl is going to make fun of their glasses. <laughs> and they can handle that. And they can handle it <laughs> and they don't even think anything of it. Sure. They can feel like a normal person. Well, that was like John Lennon had always said they loved New York because like nobody cared they was John Lennon in New York. Unfortunately, yeah. that was also uh, his demise in yeah, New York. But, yeah. but still, like he loved being in New York. Because yeah, I have a lot of celebs in New York now yeah. that make a big deal out of being in New York, yeah. and then the paparazzi come and like bother them. Sure, but I didn't. It's a lot less bad than it is in LA, I guess. Yeah, I would say because there's a lot yeah. of stargazing in LA. Like, exactly. People go to LA to the see the map if they of the can, stars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but not in Woodstock, New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's. I mean, they want to go to a quiet place. And, yeah, yeah, and it is. It's really peaceful. Yeah, and nice. So I bet you could see a lot of celebs up in Napa. Napa Valley, you know, yeah. they want to go wine tasting or Moran yeah. or something. Yeah, I've been there a lot and I've never seen anybody. Yeah. I can imagine it would be a popular thing for mm -hmm. them. But, yeah, I guess the the last story I'm supposed to tell, right, is... Well, there's two. So we can do, you want to do yesterday and you ran into... Oh, your, yeah. Your, your, your so at the Garlic Festival, Festival uh -huh. yesterday, 
which said on the program that there mm-hmm. would be like an a demonstration with Jada De Laurentiis. Yeah. And we were like, we like Jada, we like her turkey meatballs, let's go. <laughs> so we did, we went, not thinking we would actually see her, just like, whatever. Yeah. And we kind of, the venue where she was going to be was really small and intimate, and we were like, let's just try and go see this cook-off that she's supposed mm-hmm. to be hosting. So we got there at the end of the cook-off, like when she was supposed to be pronouncing the winners, mm. And we walked out and we found a seat literally 10 feet in front of her. Nice. And the whole time she's like interacting with the audience, interacting with us, Mm -hmm. and like bringing up little girls, answering questions. And it was just really cool. Yeah. Because it wasn't like a personal celebrity experience where like I saw her and like it was a big deal. But Mm -hmm. like she was there with a crowd of like, Maybe 100, 200 people. So it's relatively intimate. Intimate, mm-hmm. and it was really easy to just get and find a seat. And yeah. she's actually cooking. She's handing out food. Yeah. Like, made burrata bruschetta that were delicious. Mm-hmm. Like, and answering questions and engaging with the audience. Yeah. I mean, she was a little nasty. <laughs> oh, really? A couple times. Yeah, but not to the audience. Okay. There were people who were supposed to be, I guess, her sous chefs, like, providing the food. And, some, and one of the uh, helpers came out with, like, a big bowl of pasta that was already made mm. and she was like what is this and they were like this is the pasta for you to cook with the bolognese and she was like oh no this has just been sitting out all day like shit <laughs> i can't serve this is this edible mm-hmm. like we heard her like on the mic say right. these things i don't think she gave a shit that anybody yeah, could yeah. hear her because mm-hmm. it's true like yeah. she's not gonna serve the right. audience everyone's like, gonna she may be sick. sitting yeah. out all day <laughs> So she's like, I'll just make fresh pasta. So she did. She boiled the water and Mm -hmm. she turned it into a lesson about how you need to add three cups of salt or whatever. And she was fun. She was engaging. She's clearly... Maybe that was a setup. Maybe... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's clearly really good at being a celebrity. Sure. Like, really charismatic. So, yeah, that was a fun one. And unexpected. Sure. Like, I thought it would be this stadium of people yeah. and, like, she'd be on stage for, like, ten minutes. She was there for hours. Wow. And it was all for charity. Like, oh, that's cool. she clearly wasn't paid anything. Mm-hmm. She just did it because she likes cooking. Yeah. And there was a really meaningful exchange there where somebody asked, like, what's your favorite part of being a chef? And she was, like, sharing my Italian culture. Like, I really love that people are interested in Italian food mm-hmm. in more than just, like, a pizza and pasta yeah. way. And I can use it as a teaching Mm-hmm. moment to explain to them the food and the history and the culture and how important it is and i was like wow that's a very nice way to say that yeah. not like it's really nice to you know not have to worry about you know making people happy i sure. work for myself i feel like that's something people say yeah because that's a, a canned answer yeah. Yeah. yeah but it was very thoughtful it was nice yeah she was wonderful cool that's a little nasty but wonderful that's okay that's <laughs> nasty <laughs> in a you know quote unquote yeah that's yeah uh, all right, so let's get to... Yeah, the one you like the best. Yeah, I love this story. And so this, <laughs> I, I, when I saw that Malin was going to... That wanted wanted this uh, this topic, I was like, well, Enrique is going to have to tell me about her uncle. So yeah. that's, we got to hear about this. Cool. So, yeah. so my family was an Italian-American family from New York. Growing up, um, my mother was around a lot of these, you know, machismo Italian-American guys. And her uncle, so my great uncle, Mm -hmm. was a really good friends with Jake LaMotta, the Mm -hmm. boxer, um, and wrote a a screenplay about his life, essentially. And he was also a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. His name was Frank Petrella. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And he was really close with Jake LaMotta, and Jake LaMotta, you know, would come to, like, our family reunions in the Catskills and stuff, and close with the, the men in the family. Sure. So my Uncle Frank wrote all of these, you know, stories about Jake, mm-hmm. and that story eventually became Raging Bull. Yeah. <laughs> Famous <laughs> movie directed by Martin Scorsese. Yes, yeah. and if you watch Raging Bull, you'll see one of the, the screen writer mm-hmm. is Peter Savage, mm-hmm. who is my uncle, Frank Petrella. Mm-hmm used the stage name Peter Savage. <laughs> Did you ever find out why he chose that? Um, well, we always called him Pete, like Uncle Pete. Okay. Um, and I think there was like a little bit of a, a desire to hide his identity mm. because he was such a skis. Like, <laughs> he had a second family. Like, he was that whole kind of... Yeah. Okay. You know, he didn't want to be famous, I think, for many reasons. (laughs) And and this isn't uncommon. Like, a lot of people do change their names when they're writing, when they're a writer. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, his gambling addiction Mm -hmm. or his multiple women or whatever, I think he wanted to keep his Petrella name, which is my family name. My mother's maiden name very, you know, pure to the outside. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, we found out later at his funeral that he had his other family. But, yeah, you know. Uncle Pete was, he died very young, mm-hmm. um, and his daughter Paula now fought for the rights to Raging Bull mm-hmm. and won in a very big Supreme Court battle to have the rights for an original screenplay be passed down to the air, right. um, not be property of MGM in this case. Right. Which was really cool. It was a monumental kind of ruling for the little guy, you know, yeah. the screenwriter. Um and yeah, now she's writing a story of my Uncle Pete's life. So the story behind Raging Bull mm-hmm. and how he wrote it and stuff like that. And when the film was being made, De Niro was around a lot, apparently. I was too young, but he was, you know, shadowing Jake and like right. learning a lot about Jake and trying to be there. And Jake was always with my Uncle Pete. Mm. So they were, you know... De Niro was around a lot and sure. apparently loved my family uh-huh. and stuff. He Aww. probably doesn't remember. He was young. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so the, there's, like, a specific love in my family for De Niro because apparently as a person he is also really, guy. really nice. Like mm-hmm. a good soul, good man. Mm-hmm. Really soft-spoken and gentle yeah. and, like, very much the opposite of, like, what he plays. Well, that's the thing. It's just kind a of rough and tumble. Yeah. Like, apparently he's really relaxed yeah. and, like, <laughs> slow going. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's my family's connection to Raging Bull. And whenever I tell anybody about it, they're like, whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> it is. Yeah, because Raging Bull is an iconic it's movie. It's really iconic. Yeah. I didn't realize, because growing up, I was like, when is this movie I'm not allowed to watch? Yeah. So, like, we had so many copies of it, and mm-hmm. we had the book, and, you know, I'm like, why is this Why is this picture of this naked guy <laughs> boxing? I, I mean, I didn't know the significance. And then sure. as I get older, and I hear how kind of it's this big film. It is. It still is. And still is kind of this one of De Niro's biggest. And Scorsese. Yeah. And Scorsese's biggest. It and it's one of the first movies kind of... I remember seeing Joe Pesci in, too. Oh, yeah. And it had all the Italian-American yeah. guys from the neighborhood kind yep. of like their early work. Yes. Which I think was cool. So did you ever yeah. find out, like, why? so he, De Niro had to gain a lot of weight. Like, he did. And, yes. And, yeah. Yes, he did. I don't really know the circumstances of that, but. Mm-hmm. I know that Jake was huge. When you knew him. Yeah, when my fam- like all the family mm-hmm. pictures and stuff that he's in, he's huge. Mm-hmm. And apparently he was always, you know, 
fighting. Right. Always like <laughs> sparring yeah. with my the other men in my family. Mm-hmm. Like they thought it, they got a big hoot out oh, of I'm it. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and when De Niro was around, he would spar with, mm. with them as well. So mm-hmm. I think he was just always working out. Mm-hmm. I think he just got really. He followed. I think shadowed Jake a lot and sure. followed his and followed Jake's like workout plan. But Tanir's not a very tall guy. He's a little guy. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. only like five nine or five eight. Yeah, because that's method. And Jake was like six three. He oh, really? really I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay, so that's method acting at its finest. Because I mean, he, he literally like binged. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah to he get... really did. I mean, that's at least the story. Yeah, is that he was around a lot and really invested in like. Lamada's life and stuff. Because mm-hmm. now they would do all sorts of CGI and, you know, you yeah, have totally. to do that to his body and things yeah. like that. But yeah, that's crazy. It's a great, great story. So, uh, oh, never mind. Yeah. Lamada wasn't tall. He was yeah. just really muscular uh-huh. and like big. It's and next to, be to the men in my family, it was tall because all my <laughs> the guys are tiny. <laughs> but that's the thing. You want to be a boxer, you probably don't want to be super tall. You probably yeah. want to be short and, you know. You would think. Thing. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think he, in the pictures of Jake that are famous, mm-hmm. like he was lean and yeah, mean. Yeah, of course. And, but in all of my, like, I guess when he's next to like a real dude, like mm-hmm. just a normal guy, sure. he looks like huge, right, right. burly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was crazy. So if you haven't seen Raging Bull, definitely. Definitely see it. Yes. Check out the credits for Peter Savage. And yeah, it's my uncle. It's the antithesis <laughs> of Rocky. It's much darker. It's yeah, all it's in black and white. it's super dark. It's yeah. black and white. It's like sketchy and... Really gritty and great gritty. boxing scenes, though. Good boxing. Yeah. yeah. So Cool, cool. All right. Thank you so much, Enrica. No problem. Just kidding. We're not done yet. Hi, sorry. So part, part two of this interview is supposed to be, what, who do people... Who think you look like uh, celebrity-wise? Um, I have gotten a few things. Okay. The first one I ever got was I was working as an ice cream clerk, and mm-hmm. somebody goes, you look just like Piper Parabo. I was like, <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Apparently she was in Coyote Ugly. She was, yes. And I wasn't allowed to watch Coyote Ugly. So. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I look like Piper Parabo, mm-hmm. but I was also like 30 pounds lighter then, so I, <laughs> who knows. And then the second one that I get pretty regularly is Olivia Thirlby. Okay. She played like the friend in Juno. Um, oh, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And has done a couple of other roles. But she's just like a brunette with a long face like me. And that's it. <laughs> I don't get a lot of, like, you look like me. Like oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I guess I'm just not remarkable. No, you look like Enrica. And yeah, that's all that's that matters. Right. Exactly. <laughs> all right, thank you. No problem. If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for damn good movie memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. 